Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Hey, welcome to another edition of Disciple Making with Tim Beadle and my friend Darren Wright. Hey, Darren, you know, when, when Jesus said to his disciples back in Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Uh, you know, when I look around, it looks like a lot of people are trying to build their own kind of church. Uh, I think you've been doing some some thinking about if we were to actually uh, start from ground zero, uh, understanding that it's Jesus who builds his church, but we come alongside with him. Uh, what would you do? Uh, what would you tell our listeners today in terms of a strategy to get going in the right direction? Oh, buddy, you sure teed that one up nice for me. <laughs> That's a great question. Thanks so much. So be careful what you say. Yeah. And actually, I've got a two part, a very right off the right off the cuff. Let me just say, you know, just recently I was listening to a, a Christian leader I greatly respect who's doing great things for the kingdom and reaching people and made the reference to his work in building his church and building the church. And I kind of, it kind of took me back a bit because I thought of your passage that you just quoted about Jesus building the church. And that I don't know that my call as a pastor is actually to build the church. And if I slide into that thinking that I think that maybe moves me in a direction I shouldn't go where, you know, I, I get into the whole building the organization, and everything else. I'm not doing what Jesus called me to do. So that's my, my initial, you know, knee jerk reaction. But the larger answer to the question, Tim, is I have been thinking for a lot of years about, you know, how to do church more effectively, that is make disciples uh, you know, more disciple and more efficiently with, with uh, you know, better allocation of resources. And one of my conclusions is that in any town where I've lived, if I was dropped into that town and there were no believers there at all, the thing I wouldn't even think to do if my goal was to make disciples effectively, efficiently, I would probably not look for a property to build a building. Okay. Not today anyway. You know, I, I would I would look at something else, and um, because because we again we've talked in the past about the Old Testament model, the centripetal come to the temple, come to Jerusalem, New Testament go, this decentralized genius of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and so I think if I was to start a church from scratch, I don't know that I'd think about starting a church. I think I would think about how do I make disciples, how do I reach some people, and and invite them to to join me in following Jesus. And I think in these past days with the uh... Uh, COVID pandemic, we've realized that we can't gather anymore. And, and perhaps in light of what you're saying, uh, that's a good thing uh, because we've realized we can still be the church without gathering, but it's really important that we don't stop connecting. Mm. Oh, yeah, great, great way of looking at it. And connection has been the challenge, you know, for sure in this season, but but it really has forced us to think what is the church and what isn't the church and what are the bare bones essentials of what it means to be the church and to follow Jesus. I hear you. You know, in terms of any uh, any structure, uh, th th there's both the organization and the organism. And uh, as you've said, you know, when, when we talk about building, we, we, we usually focus, especially guys do, on the organization and, and mm -hmm. having uh, you know organizational charts and structures and budgets. Uh, but in order, oh, I'm there. I, I I'm there, man. It's nice <laughs> and concrete, right? Yeah, but you know what? Uh, that's 
you know, when my father died five years ago from leukemia and I went to his funeral, you know, the, the structure of his body, the organization of his body was still there in the casket, mm-hmm. but there was no life in it. And so the, the, the structure or organization is only to house and to be flexible in housing the actual life-giving organism. And, and as we know, the church is the body, the living body of Christ with Jesus as the head. So, so I'm, uh, I, I'm anxious to hear. So what would you do uh, coming into a new community uh, without any fanfare, without a welcoming congregation? Uh, let, 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 let's have it. What would you do, Darren? Yeah, I mean that's that is the question, and and, and the answer is uh, I'm figuring it out as we speak, uh, because as we're recording this, I've just gotten confirmation of a partnership, uh, which I'm so grateful with with a with a church, and uh, our, our large denomination, and a, an opportunity to to begin a new venture, and start from scratch a non traditional model of church that I've been mulling on for quite some time. I, I call it 12 church just for lack of a better phrase built around the idea of 12 followers of Jesus multiplying themselves. And basically for me, a big part of it is, is making a list of what we're not going to do. You know, saying that this is not a part of it, that the goal is not to get a property. The goal is not to build the building. The goal is not even to do weekly large gatherings because that, uh, you know, one of the challenges of our our current structure of church is these weekly gatherings take so much time and energy and focus and resources. And so the idea we're looking at is dropping the weekly large gathering and reallocating those resources into disciple making and right out of the gate, personal evangelism, right out of the gate, equipping a core group and, and praying together and working together to reach our friends and our neighbors and starting there. A lot of people are threatened evangelism, personal evangelism, uh, you know, sort of uh, evokes uh, memories from the past of uh, soapbox preachers on street corners and uh, knocking on doors and, um, you know, confronting people with their disbelief. Uh, uh, can you unpack uh, what a perhaps a new iteration of uh, personal evangelism would look and feel like today? Oh, sure. And I, you know, and I've, I've done both sides. When I went to Bible school, I went to Bible school to learn to share my faith. So what did I do? I jumped into Campus Crusade for Christ. You know, we walk up to people on the university and try to start a conversation and share the four spiritual laws. And, and after that, I jumped to an evangelism explosion, which was a little softer sell because we visited people who visited the church. And, you know, we'd go visit them and share the gospel. I do recall one night uh, we got together, all our teams, and there was no visitors from the last weekend to visit. So we just kind of went to different neighborhoods, went door to door, knocking on doors randomly. And I mean, that's the most terrifying thing. That's the caricature of personal evangelism. Interestingly, that night out of seven or eight teams, two people came to faith through that. So, so, so it does happen, but that was in a more churched world than we live in now. And it's got to be different. Yeah. People do not open the door to strangers anymore. And that's just the way it is. Uh, I, or they'll look through their little people or through the uh, uh, through the curtains of the front window. And if you are not known, people simply won't engage you uh, as a potential uh, conversationalist. So, so, so where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, again, I, I think I mentioned last week, I'm doing evangelism training right now, a three week evangelism training, uh, three modules, about 30 to 40 minutes each. And the very first assignment I gave people the first week, the basic assignment was, intentionally encourage some people this week. 
go out of your way to encourage, you know, the waitress and the person in retail and your neighbor and just go out of your way to encourage people and, and start to inject uh, some hope and start to inject some, some sense of compassion and concern for them and start there because just doing that, I mean, that, that's the salt light perfume model. Just doing that begins to set you apart. So I always start there. Yeah. You know what? Uh, in, in the big picture of things, uh, in a hundred years from now, it's only people that are going to leave this planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, for, for all the things we do in building buildings and having campaigns and crusades, it, it always comes down to the personal level, whether a person uh, knows Jesus personally, they've submitted their life to him. And uh, uh, when I really realized that years ago, uh, you have to start spending time with people. You know, that's what Jesus did, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and pretty much simultaneous to the encouragement. And the big assignment for the second week was to actually start regularly praying for people that you start to discern in your life for the purpose of being the hands and feet and voice of Jesus in their life. And so I actually point people towards Acts 26, 18, which is where the apostle Paul is unpacking his mission to, to King Agrippa. And he explains the call Jesus gave him to go to the Gentiles and open their eyes turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they'd receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those sanctified by faith in Jesus. And I say, basically that describes what needs to happen in someone's life. So turn that into a prayer and start a list. I I encourage people to start a list of at least 10 people, ideally 20, at least half of whom are local in your community and just start praying for them. According. If you like acts 26, 18, use that. You can use the Lord's prayer as a model or as a verbatim, and start praying consistently. And my experience, and what I teach is that prayer is at least half of evangelism. Yeah, totally. The stuff happens in people's lives. And the basic, the basic model my wife and I have found is we bump into people, we add them to our prayer list. Some of them stick and we start seeing them a lot and we develop a relationship with some of them. And then invariably a crisis hits their life. Yeah. And there we are in relationship with them. Yeah, and if you don't have that relationship, um, they'll probably look other places for supports and all kinds. Yeah, you know, in, in Philippians four, uh, you know, chapter uh, verses six and seven, you know, it says that you know, don't don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition. I don't know about you, but I don't think we use a lot of petition prayer these days. I think when it comes to uh, evangelism, uh, we can we can give people's names to the Lord. Say, Lord. Can you open doors in, in this person's life that I might be able to become a friend? Hmm. And, I, and I think that's the key word. Uh, we, we, we don't do personal evangelism to win them because you know what? No, no one wins anyone to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Uh, we simply are used as uh, instruments in the Father's hands. But even that, we shouldn't see ourselves in that. I think if we could just learn to be friends with people. Hmm. And if we are following Jesus, uh, you use it like the, I think you use the words perfume element of being salt and lights or be like being an ambassador. If we're just a consistent witness and we are so in love with Jesus mm. that that love just spills out into all that we do in a very natural way, yeah. that then I think as you're, you're saying, Darren, like, but, but, but we have to be intentional. We, we have to pray. We, we need to petition the Lord that, that, that he'll bring us some people. You know, in the book of Acts, uh, in the book of Luke, it talks about how there is in every community, these people called people of peace. Uh, 
Um, what, what's your understanding of, you know, people of peace in, in scripture? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great, a great teaching that's been elevated through, you know, some teaching on missional communities and uh, some of the disciple making movements out there that there are people who are naturally attracted to us. I think Joe Aldrich, you know, a couple of gen, you know, generation ago referred to them as schooling fish, <laughs> people yeah. of a natural affinity and attraction to us and relate to us. And these are often people, you know, in, in the classic sense who maybe have some, um, some status who have some contacts, who have some relationships and they relate to us. Well, even if they're not believers and they can create an inroads for the gospel in a neighborhood, in a school, in a business, in a community. And it may be as simple as like in our little condo complex here, we're in a, a complex of four fourplexes, our unit, you know, there's four, four units in our fourplex, of course. And there's one fella who has just connected. Yeah. And uh, we, we've gotten to know him, starting to get to know him on a deeper level and sharing. I've learned, you know, about some of what's going on in his life and he shared on a deep level. He's helped me out with some things and there's just a clicking that's happening there. And, and I know it's from a praying and B being alert uh, to those opportunities, you know, to talk to him and stuff. In fact, what happened here in our fourplex, there's my wife and I in one unit, three other units with three single guys, one single guy in each unit. Okay. Christmas Eve. Everybody goes into the unit. No, no, nothing. Nobody comes out for two days, basically. Like there's nothing going on. And so we, we, you know, Christmas Eve, we went to bed and thought, you know what? Let's do something. So we put little gift bags together and hung them on their door doorknobs early Christmas morning, just some short bread and some chocolate and a little note and uh, just, you know, Merry Christmas and stuff. And, uh, you know, and again, the one fella, he thanked us. He put a gift back on our door a day later, and we've started having this conversation. And it's just being alert to that. And I, one thing I think, uh, Tim, is when we pray for people, when we pray about you know reaching people and making disciples, it helps us become more sensitive. The Spirit works on us too. That's right. It's pretty hard to pray about something and not become involved in it. You know, uh, we have people who walk by our house all the time because of our neighborhood. There's people who a lot of we're close enough to the downtown; people can walk, and so they do. And so we have people, some of them we met, some we haven't. We have nicknames for all of them. There's, there's a guy we call Coffee Guy. He always walks down to this gas station, gets a coffee, comes back, and we see him multiple times a day. And so we pray for these people walking by. And, you know, I'll take as simple as this, Tim, Acts 26, 18, I'll see Coffee Guy going by. I'll say, Lord, open his eyes, turn him from darkness to light. I pray that he'll receive forgiveness of sins. I pray that he'll break the power of Satan in his life. I pray that verse over him. And then I say, Lord, I'm available. That's right. You know, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And just as you're describing, uh, you know, you have nicknames for people, that's because it isn't that you're judging them, it's that you, you just start trying to figure out maybe where they are in their walk. Uh, but obviously, there has to be that time, uh, time of connection uh, between your heart that's reaching out and the needs of that person. Uh, I, I was always taught that if you look at your life and sort of mapped out all of your interests, all of your hobbies, all of your abilities and experiences, and sort of be a, you look at your palm of your hand like that, and then you look at someone else as uh, the other, uh, your, your other palm of your other hand, uh, they have certain things going on in their life. But I believe in most people that we live around, there, there's some point of contact where they're mm-hmm where their life and your life overlap. And, and at that point, I sort of put my two palms together 
And, and wherever there is a connection point, it might just be like in coffee. It could be taking your kids to daycare. It could be playing shinny hockey or rec hockey. It could be uh, quilting. Uh, it could be anything. That's called common ground with this other person. And that's where you build a friendship because oh, exactly you already have something right. in interest, right? Oh, exactly right. You know, and typically any interest you have, almost any interest can be a bridge to relationship. I, early in my pastoral ministry, I wanted to develop my speaking. And so I jumped into Toastmasters and I went to Toastmasters for several years, different clubs, three different communities. I saw people in each club come to faith in part from my relationship with them. Not that I was leading to the Lord, but sometimes they get involved, interested in spiritual things. They, they attend our church or another church and they come to faith. And it was just a great, great way. Cause it's kind of like a secular small group, really you get to know people and those become avenues for sharing the life of Christ. Yeah. You know what? Uh, a couple things. Uh, too often when we get into friendships with people, uh, we rush a natural progression of that relationship and friendship because we think, you know, it's our job to win them to Jesus. And unfortunately, I always say this, if you uh, if, if you basically rush the harvest, you're going to spoil the crop. Mm. And, and that happens. And also, I think the other element is that sometimes uh, we live in a very transient world where I don't know how many times you've moved in your life, but um, the, the average person doesn't stick around too long anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, say, you know, unless we, we seal the deal with this person and they move away, it's like it's all up to us not realizing uh, that you're in their life for a reason and you're in their life for a season. And yeah. if they happen to move out of the circle of your friendship, uh, because we're praying about them, uh, we're not catching the Lord by surprise. I believe he has someone else somewhere down the road who can pick up the baton, as it were, and just befriend that person and lead them closer to Jesus as mm. well. Oh, yeah, it, it is. There's a progression. I like the old uh, CPR acronym from Sun Life, cultivating, planting, reaping. Yeah. You know, people are at different stages and some people cultivating is just about the relationship. Planting, it's about some just sharing of, of, of basic walk with Christ and a bit of your story. Reaping is where you might share the, the whole story and they come to faith or it might be an event for that. But yeah, some people, you're just part of the cultivating stage. Yeah. Some people, you might have the privilege of being at the reaping, but it's a recognition that, you know, personal evangelism is, it's about not just me and my friends, it's about me and my brothers and sisters in Christ working together. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different stats and facts and figures around evangelism. You know, the idea that people need to hear the gospel multiple times before they respond, especially now in a, you know, in a a post-Christian context, but also they need to know several genuine followers of Jesus. Yeah. And so it's really about getting them relationally into my friendship circle with my, you know, my friends, they're my friends. They're not believers. These are my friends. They're Christians. So we get together and the life of Christ is shared. And that's, that, that's the challenge of uh, the consistency of living a consistent uh, Christian lifestyle that is based on imitating uh, Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, too many people, um, they call it sort of like the chameleons where they act one way in church and another way in the world. Hmm. And and sometimes people are surprised when someone actually says, oh, I go to church. Say, oh, really? Like it's a surprise. And uh, unfortunately, we do harm to the cause of Christ where there isn't a clear uh, witness and, and and the last thing that people need to see is people are trying to be perfect and trying to suggest, well, I'm a Christian, so I have to act this way so I can be perfect. No, we just have to be real people who who's following 
a, a real God in a real way, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. yeah, we we just have to learn how to be friends and not be weird. You know, like just be real people, friends without without an agenda. Yeah, we're available as the spirit leads and as the door opens, but people are on a project. They don't have a number on their forehead or a target on their backside. They're people loved by God. Jesus died for them. And we as followers of Jesus are available. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. So we're available to be involved in that as he sees fit. And it's a bit of a mindset issue where it takes the pressure off me. Yeah, my, my call is to be available and open to leading the Spirit, but we don't have to force the matter. The no. Spirit is much better at working over the heart than we are. Yeah, you know what? In, in Matthew 7, it simply says, you know, if you hear my word and you put it into practice, I think that's what we are called to do, mm-hmm. to apply what we know and don't try to put on errors that we're trying to be someone that we're not. So if we if we read the word of God, we hear it and we put it into practice, we're like someone who builds their house upon the rock. Obviously, the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, interestingly enough, in, in that parable, Jesus says, or you can be like someone who, who reads or maybe hears the word but doesn't put it into practice. And, and that could be the average person out there. They, they know a lot about Jesus. They know, you know, he... Mm-hmm was born at Christmas and sort of uh, <laughs> what Easter is about, but, but, but they never put it into practice and therefore their, their lives are like a house built on sand. So, so if you see these two guys building uh, their houses can look exactly the same until the storms hit. And you mentioned earlier, it's when, when human tragedies, uh, sickness, unemployment, divorce, substance abuse, whatever comes their way, that's when the the, the Christ follower stands firm. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he has put things into practice. And it's at that time that the guy whose life is falling apart needs people like you and me that that, uh, he doesn't feel judged by. Why? Because we're genuine friends. Mm. And uh, we can offer them a hand hand up, helping them to stand. And then it's an open door for our testimony, not not to preach at them, but just to let them know how we made it through a similarly tough time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know we've we started by talking about starting starting church from scratch and end up talking about personal evangelism, which is where I would go and where I am going. Yeah. Uh, you know, gathering a core of people who are on side with this mission to build relationships, build friends, and to me, that's where it starts. And then responding to what the Spirit does without a preset kind of program that we need this and this and this kind of program. No. We need to respond to what the Spirit is doing, who is being reached, what their needs and the needs of their relational circles are, and, and quote, program or do ministry around that. That's really my short answer to the question, Tim. Well, you know what? Uh, when Jesus said, I'll build my church you know, 2,000 years ago, we've had uh, 2,000 years of uh, sort of uh, doing this and that and building. We've had to answer that that question in 20 minutes or so there. And I think you've done a great job to get us started in the right direction. Yeah, stop looking at the organizational part. Be alive, the, the whole organism. Uh, something is alive. The Holy Spirit is alive in you. And uh, because he's placed you in... Um, potential community with others they may not be friends yet uh, but jesus loves them as much as he loves us and he gives us opportunities each and every day to uh just be the hands and feet the salt and light that uh, jesus calls us to be so i think that's it we're gonna wrap it up another uh, episode of disciple uh, making Uh, i'm tim beetle with my friend darren ride right on thanks for joining us again and we'll talk to you soon 
Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.